Well, hello, friends. This is Mark Gladman, also known as Brother Frederick James, your friendly neighborhood monk in docks. Welcome to Monk on the Mic, the Monk in Docks podcast. And this is episode number 14. And it's been uh, about four weeks since the last episode. With no apologies, I have often said, and I think I said this right up front, that I was never going to feel pressured to just get something on and get something up. I really wanted to make sure that when I had something to share here, that it was worth sharing. And today, I really hope that what you have to hear is (laughs) worth hearing. Uh, So yes, episode 14. And episode 14 is called Whispers. And uh, this episode has come about because in the last couple of weeks, I have begun to spend a bit of my time as the a pastoral carer, as a chaplain, in an aged care facility. And I have to tell you, if you want to get a bit of a grip on reality and in particular the reality of life, then go and spend some time around some really old people. And I mean that not in a disparaging way, but in an absolutely loving way. I get to spend the time that I spend there with some of the most beautiful people. And as I've got to know many of them very, very well, get to know their hearts, get to know their joys, get to know their fears. But most of all, as I listen to their stories, not just about their past, but also their stories about what they're working through and experiencing right now, it does something to you. It seriously does. And I don't mind saying this, that... uh, When you're spending a lot of time in a residential aged care facility where the people who are there are there because they need to be looked after in their last years of life, that there are conversations that are both uh, initiated by or are brought around to by these people that I'm working with. And these conversations are about... Um, the final years in which you will be alive, where you are essentially in the process of dying and death itself and what one expects in both fears and joys might be after death. Because let's be honest, none of us truly know what that looks like. And I talked about that uh, a few episodes ago. Um, in one of the podcasts, I can't remember which one it was now, but um, so you you have these incredible conversations that really force you to face up to your own mortality. And I, I, you know, some people would say, "Well, isn't that morbid?" And I say, "Absolutely not," because you know, first of all, as a Benedictine monk, there is a precept in the Rule of Saint Benedict where, in terms of how to live well. 
um, Benedict says that one of the tools to living well is remember that you are going to die. And I know that sounds like a complete oxymoron, that you live well when you know you're going to die. But the fact of the matter is, if we face up to the reality that we are going to die, then the truth is that we won't take any day for granted and we'll live into it with everything that we have. And that's incredibly powerful. The other one too is that when we remember that we are going to die, not only do we learn to live well, but we start to think about how we will die well. And the work, by the way, if you're on Instagram particularly, and I think they might be on Facebook as well, the End Well Project um, is an absolutely fascinating um, project that wants to get the conversation going about death and dying. Because let's face it, the minute we're born, we start the journey of dying. And you could say, I've lived for this many years, but through that process, you've also come closer to dying. And so these people, they're obviously very aware of their own mortality, and they're very aware that they um, are in the next who knows how long going to pass away. And so the conversations that emerge out of that are incredibly powerful. But I have to say that the wisdom of being on this planet for a long period of time, uh, you know, I, I really think that for most of us, it's when we get towards the end of our lives that our wisdom is going to consolidate well and we're going to wish we'd listened and thought about the wisdom that we've gathered a little bit earlier. And maybe that's part of the reason why I want to share this with you as well, because I think all of us in our life's journey have gathered wisdom. But I think we don't draw on that wisdom like we should. And if we can start earlier, I think we'll actually learn to live better as well out of that wisdom that we are able to gather and that shared wisdom that we can share with one another as we journey along life together. But these older people, of course, they have beautiful wisdom and many of them, I don't think, realize the wisdom that they carry. So I'll be having conversations with some people and suddenly they will say something and I'll go, oh, wow. And they look at me and go, what? Uh, what? And this happened to me just the other day. So there's a particular resident in the facility um, who is such a beautiful, beautiful soul. She uh, has this really wily sense of humor. And she reminds me of my great auntie Betty, rest her soul, who uh, had this, again, really witty, sharp, dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Um, didn't take life too seriously. But when they talked about things, talked about it in a way where you weren't sure whether they were kidding or not. And you were really careful about what you said because you didn't want to step on, on anybody's toes. And this particular lady is like that. But very quickly, I guess, because I made the Arnie Betty connection, I kind of figured out where she was coming from. And in the last couple of weeks, now that she kind of knows that I've picked up on that uh, element of humor that she carries, um, we've had some really, really interesting conversations. So she was walking the other day and... I saw her there and I said, hi. And she said, hi, how are you doing? I said, good. And I said, what's going on for you today? And she looked at me and she said, I want to go home. I said, what do you mean by home? I wasn't sure 
you can understand how that could be metaphor. And she said, oh, I want to go back to my house, um, the house that I, that I have. And I said, oh, um, are you able to? She said, I don't know, but I, I would really like to. And I said, have you spoken to somebody about that? And she said, I have, but they're telling me that it's not going to be possible for me to go home and stay at home. I need to be here so they can, I can be looked after well. I said, well, if you ever want or need to talk to somebody about that, then please just let me know and we can do that. She said to me, well, what good would that do? And I said, well, sometimes speaking about it can help us see things clearer. Uh, you know, bouncing things off someone else can help us to get a different slant on things, a different view on things. I said, and at the end of the day, maybe you don't want to talk about it. Maybe you just want to shout and scream and vent spleen with me. And I'm happy to be that person too, if you ever need that. And she looked at me and she smiled and she said, well, I guess in the last couple of days I've done enough shouting and screaming that I need to do. And she stopped and then she started to walk away. She took two steps and then turned around and looked at me and she said, you know, maybe what I need to do is spend some time whispering. And my jaw dropped and I went, oh my goodness, that's good. And she went, what? What, what, what happened? What did I say? <clears throat> I said, just what you said. And I repeated it to her. You know, you said, I've done a lot of shouting, but maybe it's time I did some whispering. I said, that's powerful. I'm going to be chewing on that for the rest of the day. And she looked at me and she smiled and she went, okay, well, um, glad you got something from that. I said, I did. Thank you very much. And I walked away and I saw her the next day. And I said, you know, I've been spending some time reflecting on this and it was incredibly powerful. Thank you so much. And she looked at me and she said, well, who'd have thought that I'd have something sensible to say to someone? <laughs> and we had a bit of a laugh. But I just thought that idea that, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you're starting to hear this too, this beautiful idea that, uh, you know, we often have stuff happens in our lives that causes us to shout and scream and yell and it feels like no one's listening, what we want happen isn't happening, what we hope for isn't going on, maybe it's time to stop yelling and maybe it's time to move into a season of whispering. I can imagine if um, the writer of uh, Ecclesiastes, Corat, uh, if he would had written, you know, in his whole, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to love, a time to fear, that maybe there was one that should have said, a time to shout, and there's also a time to whisper. Because whispering does something pretty powerful, doesn't it? I mean, whispering uh, and talking to ourselves tends to be an incredibly powerful way to chew things through. And there are two things that I want to share with you today as we consider this. The first one is uh, a text from the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's from Genesis chapter 18. And I'm not going to read the whole passage to you, but the passage that I'm referring to is from verse 1 to verse 15 of Genesis chapter 18. But this is the story where three people come to visit with Abraham 
And Abraham, of course, is a very hospitable host to them, and he sets them up and he feeds them. Uh, but then this conversation turns a little bit as they start eating, and uh, they ask, where is your wife, Sarah? And Abraham says, well, she's in the tent. And then uh, one of the people who, depending on um, what you read in the Hebrew, it's then he, as in the, one of the people, says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, uh, this is where I want to pick up the story. So we're in verse 10 of Genesis 18, and it says, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind uh, this person. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Abraham, oh, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, now will I have this pleasure. Now, that verse uh, is incredibly important to what we're talking about here because there is an, uh, in the, NRSV translation, which is a little bit closer to the Hebrew, Sarah says, uh, uh, where are we? Sarah says, after, uh, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? Now, you, what's really interesting about this is that. Where it says Sarah laughed to herself, that word um, to herself comes from the Hebrew word kereb. And kereb means the inward parts, or inwardly. And so technically the Hebrew rendering of that would be Sarah laughed inwardly. In other words, she whispered to herself. And the laugh, by the way, you could take one of two ways, and I don't know if there's any particular way it should be taken, to be honest, but one way would be to say she laughed at the ridiculousness of the idea that in old age she was going to bear a child. But I kind of like the idea that the laugh was one of those mocking laughs. Like, <laughs> and inwardly, she says to herself, um, you know, now that I'm old and Abraham's old, how is it possible that we're going to have a child? And what's, what's interesting about that particular take on it is that it really gets home how she was feeling about the fact that she had borne no children. Remember, we're talking about being in a culture where bearing a child is seen uh, as a, a way of passing on your family name, and in particular a son you know, bearing a son for your uh, partner. And I'm not saying that that's the way it, it should be in the modern world. That's simply letting, you know, giving you some context to this particular passage. And so for Sarah, she's basically saying, uh, it's not about the pleasure of the intercourse, which could be a thing in and of itself, you know, how will I have this pleasure now my husband's old? Um, but maybe it's also this idea that I'm never going to have the pleasure of holding a child. Um, and 
And perhaps you know somebody who, for any particular number of reasons, none of which are their fault, finds themselves in a situation where as much as they would love to have a child, they will never be in a position where they can do so. And you can feel the heartbreak. But what I really want to focus in on here is the fact that this comment that she makes wasn't made out loud at somebody. It was a whisper, an inward whisper. And what's incredibly powerful about that is that in the very next verse, the person who's been doing the talking to Abraham says, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed better child now that I'm old? Now, if we believe that this person who's speaking is God in some sort of human manifestation, as some people like to take this passage to be, I think we're pretty much aware that the character of God is not to be mocking. And so this statement is not made to call her out or to cause her embarrassment or to mock or to teach her a lesson or anything like that. And I've actually heard sermons where people have said that, that, oh, God called it out to teach her a bit of a lesson about, you know, you shouldn't not trust. That's not what's happening here. And I don't believe that that is the lesson or even the only lesson, if that is a lesson, from the text. I think there's something more powerful here about the power of our whispers. Because in this condition that she knows she's in, not being able to bear a son, 90-odd years old, hasn't been able to produce an off- any offspring for her and her husband to carry on their family name. And in that culture, something that is very shameful. And somebody outside the tent says, hey, in a year, your wife's going to have a child. I'll be here and she'll be holding a baby in her arms. And you can hear the disdain in Sarah as she thinks, you cruel, I'll say it, you cruel bastard. How dare you? How dare you mock me like that? Here I am, 90 years of age. I haven't been able to bear a child. And yet you stand outside that tent and say that. Who am I at 90 years old that I will ever have the pleasure of holding a son? And you can hear, and you've done this. I know you've done this because I've done this. When you're angry or upset or frustrated and you start to whisper to yourself and you have these arguments, perhaps with the person, but you're doing it to yourself and you're talking it out and you but it's in a whisper because you don't want anybody else to hear and you're just and you're, you're whispering this thing away and this is what happens when there's this whispering going on in the tent that no one else can hear and yet this person who um, in many translations it's rendered as the Lord as in God says why did Sarah laugh not to mock not to put her in a place not to teach her a lesson, but as an acknowledgement. Uh, even though you've whispered, I have heard you. There's something powerful about the whispering. We can do shouting, and I know God will listen to the shouts. We can do the yelling, and God will listen to the yells. But perhaps, like my friend at the aged care facility, in that beautiful wisdom where she says to me, you know, I've done a lot of shouting, I've done a lot of yelling, maybe it's time 
I do through whispering. Don't think, my friends, that in your whispering, there's not somebody listening. And maybe it might be just yourself, but I honestly believe that there is someone else whispering as well. And so you might say, well, hang on, why do I feel not listened to then? Well, I do feel your heartache because I've been in that position. I'm not going to suggest that my heartache was any greater than yours. It's quite possible and probably likely your heartache is much greater than mine ever was when I felt those unanswered prayers. But that's probably a conversation for another episode. Not trying to shy away from it, but there's a lot in that. But I do want to say this. Trust that in the whispering, somebody is hearing. Just like Sarah inside the tent has this acknowledgement that I've heard you. I've heard you laugh. I've heard you. Uh, Just to acknowledge that you've been heard. And there are times, even when we're sharing with each other, that we know we can't help the person who's sharing this with us, the person who's sharing this stuff with us, you know. Uh, Or maybe that's not our place to try and fix it and make it right. So there's lots of reasons why these things might go unheard. But as I said, we'll talk about that another time. But what I want you to understand, my friend, is that sometimes with all the shouting and the yelling, there's something about moving into a whisper that can be incredibly powerful. And to kind of draw this together, I want to rest on some words by the late theologian Frederick Buechner. Um, I was first drawn to Buechner just before he passed away. And I found this quote, it's an extended quote, but I want to break it up just a little bit. Um, And this extended quote speaks directly to this thing that I'm talking about in moving to the whispers, in moving to the sighs, in moving to that quiet heart, knowing that we're still being heard. Let me share from Beekner. First of all, he talks about the sighing, which I know I've talked about in another episode. Um, But I just want to start here. We all pray, he says, um, whether we think of it as praying or not. The odd silence we fall into when something very beautiful is happening or something very good or something very bad. The ah, that sometimes floats up out of us as out of a, a, a crowd when fireworks go off over water, the stammer of pain at somebody else's pain, the stammer of joy at somebody else's joy, whatever words or sounds we use for sighing with uh, over our own lives, these are all prayers in their own way. But then he goes on to take this a little bit further, and this is where the whispers come in. And again, this is Beekner. He says, talk to yourself about your own life, about what you've done and what you failed to do and about who you are and who you wish you were and who the people you love are and who the people you don't love too. And talk to yourself about what matters most to you because if you don't, you may forget what matters most to you. Even if you don't believe anybody's listening, at least you'll be listening. But believe somebody is listening 
Believe in miracles. That's what Jesus told the father who asked him to heal his epileptic son. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father spoke for all of us when he answered, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is almost, you can hear this almost in Sarah's whispers. I'll come back in a year and Sarah will have a son. And that disdain of being mocked, but also this unbelief that she would so love for the words of this guest that's sitting outside the tent eating their food. She would so love these words to be true. But all she can do is mutter a whisper of, how dare you? And yet, it's a cry of not just how dare you, but also of help my unbelief. Now, I'm not suggesting she knows that this is God. And by the way, this is the third time that Abraham has heard this word or a word like this. He has this word, first of all, in Genesis 15, and then he hears it again in Genesis 17. But this is the first time Sarah has heard it. But then Beekner goes on with a very important thing that kind of touches on what I was talking about before, is when you whisper and if somebody's listening but you still don't get what you want, Beekner says, what about when the boy, going back to talk about the, the epileptic son, what about the, when the boy is not healed? When listened to or not listened to, the prayer goes unanswered. I mean, in that moment when Sarah let her whispers out, she had no idea. She just was reacting to the moment. Beekner says of this, and I love this answer. It's a two-word answer. He says, who knows? What about when the boy is not healed? When listened to or not listened to, the prayer goes unanswered. Who knows, Beekner says, just keep praying, Jesus says. Remember the sleepy friend, the crooked judge. Even if the boy dies, keep on beating the path to God's door because the one thing you can be sure of is that down the path you beat with even your most half-cocked and halting prayer, the God you call upon will finally come. In many ways, our sighs, our silence, our whispers, they're sounds of some sort of deep and hidden trust, this deep and hidden faith, this deep and hidden belief that we don't know what's there, which is why we're kind of also saying, help my unbelief, but it is there as well. And what we're trying to do is understand that Sighs, whispers, silence are really the sound of trust. The sighs, the whispers, the silence really are the sounds of trusting in someone or something, but at the same time, going with hope and not expectation. If you haven't listened to that episode where I had that conversation with Patrick Oliver back in episode, I think it's four um, of the, the podcast, Go and have a listen to that about um, hope, leaving the porch light on, I think I called the episode. Um, the difference between hope and expectation. Expectation would say, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen like this. Hope would say, I'm going to hold to faith, but ultimately let God 
be God. Ultimately, let yet God do what God needs done. What if a child had never come to Sarah? But when I look at Sarah and I look at her life, even before she bore a son, she was happy, she was content, she was filled with joy, she was living with her husband, she was on this journey with him, sharing life together as they did this journey together. And yes, there is this promise, but what if it had never come? I don't think Sarah would have died unfulfilled. I think she would have died in a place of knowing that she had done what she was here to do, achieved what she was here to achieve, um, been able to live the life that she was put on this planet to live. But that wouldn't mean that the whispers didn't matter. The whispers do matter. And whether, as Beekner says, the whispers are just for ourselves, or maybe they're for someone or somebody else. But at the end of the day, let the whispers come. Because sometimes, you know, I know it's God's still small voice that is talked about in that story uh, of Elijah. But sometimes maybe when we stop the yelling and we stop the shouting and we move to a whisper, perhaps we hear something that we haven't been able to hear because in the shouting and the yelling, we've also got loud noise in our ears. In the whisper, we still hear what it is that we're saying but there's space left to listen and to hear to whatever the voice might be saying, whatever it is that's coming. Those whispers, my friend, are not wasted words. Those whispers are whispers of trust. And just as my uh, friend, my elderly friend, finally was able to understand when I saw her the next day and she began to realize that there was a certain depth to what she had said. This is what she said to me. When I went back to her and I said, hey, you know, your words are really powerful. Thank you so much. I was meditating and reflecting on them last night with my wife and I've gleaned so much from them and I want to chew on them a little bit more. After she'd sort of got over the fact that she'd said something that someone else thought was wise, she said, you know, Whispering doesn't hurt your throat so much. <laughs> Take from that what you will. But friend, don't begrudge the whisper. Don't begrudge moving into a period of silence. Don't begrudge the sighs and the groanings that come. Because not only do they let some sort of audible sound come out that we can hear and reflect on, but we're also told in the Christian scriptures that quite often it is through those sighs and groanings that the Spirit will pray on our behalf, even when we don't know what it is we want to say. There are power, there is power in the whispers. And my prayer for you is if you have been whispering, that you would know that even your whispers are heard. And if you have been shouting, may you find perhaps some wisdom in spending some time moving into a period of whispering. And that when you whisper, may you provide space for you to listen and hear, not just the voice that is doing the whispering, 
but the voice of the one who wants to speak in and through and around those whispers. And may hope carry and buoy you, not expectation, but hope. And may love embrace and comfort you. And may peace hold you firmly in its grasp. And may the God of this love, this hope, this grace and this peace be with you today and every day. Amen. Thank you for listening, my friend. I hope you've enjoyed the wisdom of my new elderly friend. And if you have found something about what my friend shared with me, could you do me a favor and maybe um, comment at the end here or send me an email at monkindocs at gmail.com and let me know so I can share with her how that wisdom that she discovered that she didn't know was there her own heart has helped somebody else thank you so much for that grace and peace be with you until next time shalom bye for now